Hey, welcome back to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church podcast, where we have conversations about leadership, we get behind the scenes of church life, and we dig into what it looks like to follow Jesus as we find our way together. Please join me in welcoming our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. Uh, Going to spend some time in this next month or so as we kind of wind things up in our local church's uh, ministry season here in the month of June. Uh, just kind of have some updates and some State of the Unions on uh, where the different aspects of our church are at, or where the different locations are at. And uh, I want to start with an update on what is a, a hugely prominent aspect of one of our locations, and that is our homelessness services. And uh, I have here our Executive Director of Homelessness Services. That's a long-winded way to say the person in charge, member of our leadership team, Annie Froze. Annie, welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for being here. I love getting to uh, have these kind of conversations with you. Before we do, um, how are you? How are things going? What's happening in your world these days? Yeah, things are good. I mean, I'm looking out my window and seeing the sun and have been feeling the heat. And there's something about this season that just makes everything a little bit lighter, um, even brings some anticipation for how life can be enjoyed differently over the next little while. So I would say things are good. Family-wise, kid-wise, remind us you got two young boys. So you, yep, you've got are you able to keep after them. Are they getting oh, away okay. from you? What's happening? They are another form of sunshine for us. I will say I've often said that. Um, yeah, they are joyful and fun, and they're at a really great age. Come June, they turn six and four, which also means that come September, our youngest is starting in school. So. That's a regular topic of conversation for us around uh, around home, and we're just trying to soak it all in. And outside of the subject we're going to get into, uh, which is kind of your direct work world, um, how are you feeling life, life around the church these days? You're part of our St. Catharines location. Uh, how are you feeling? What's the vibe? Yeah, I mean, St. Catharines is, is, I would say, going well. I feel like there has been a lot of energy in our services over the last couple of months. Uh, there's a lot going on, both in the work part of my engagement at Glenridge, but also the church part of my engagement at Glenridge. Um, and personally, that's a, a lot. There's a lot going on that's challenging. And I love that. I love the challenge. I don't ever want to be bored or stagnant. So feeling energized, I will say, by Southridge these days. Okay, well, let's dive into specifically your world, because for people outside of our St. Catharines location and even leaders from uh, other communities that track with us might not be as familiar with Southridge, um, we talk about our anchor causes in each of our locations, our specific initiatives of compassion and justice that we try to rally people around and involve people in. And and, uh, in our St. Catharines location, uh, we refer to that as homelessness services, what does that term even mean? And I guess what differentiates homelessness services from what we've typically known as our shelter? Talk about those just to start. So homelessness services is a bit of a rebrand that we embraced over the last couple of years because uh, what we had always referred to as the shelter no longer captured the the range of the services that we provide. So homelessness services is a collection of services that work to support an individual who is either at risk of experiencing homelessness, currently experiencing homelessness, 
or having recently experienced homelessness to move from a place um, of wherever they're currently at in that journey to housing and ultimately housing that is um, engaged and supported by community. So homelessness services essentially is the ways that we engage with people on a journey from homelessness to housing um, and how that differentiates from the shelter. I mean, I think way back in the day, the shelter's been open for 18 years now, we would have talked about the shelter as really striving to be a home for people, a place where people can spend some time to recover from whatever circumstance they had most immediately come from, um, to heal a bit and to engage in vibrant community, ultimately to move out from there. It was never intended to be a long-term home, but we refer to it as a home. And we even used that in some of our values language. Now we would see, um, the shelter as much more as a, a spot on the journey rather than the destination because the journey is towards housing. Yeah, I hope people listening can understand that the homelessness services language is more than a rebrand. It's a rethink of how to best address, I don't want to call it the issue of homelessness, but how to best come alongside and serve those experiencing homelessness. That rather than being shelter focused in a way where you address homelessness by having shelters and shelters serve as their home, a shelter or a hostel is one piece of the conveyor belt of services and supports towards moving people towards housing. The language we've used internally uh, is, is much more of a housing first approach that the best gift we can give those experiencing homelessness is housing and everything focusing on and supporting and driving people towards housing and towards supporting their housing and towards keeping them in housing emergency hostel being one piece of the puzzle is the rethink. So what used to be a shelter ministry because we provided a home now is much more of a housing focused set of supports, the, the shelter being one of them and thus the term homelessness services to represent that, that conveyor belt. I guess my question then would be if, if we're focusing on housing and ultimately housing is the goal and getting people housed, what then is the role of a hostel or of a, an emergency shelter within that conveyor belt? Why do we still contribute in that way? Yeah, um, that would be because shelter still, the, in the emergency shelter uh, services that are provided, it is still an essential piece of the complement of services that go to support someone from their place of absolute homelessness. Many of our people are coming uh, potentially from couch surfing. Most often these days are coming from sleeping rough, whether that's in an encampment or um, literally just roaming in various parts of our region throughout the nights uh, to pass the time. So there is a, an acute need to bring someone in, um, give them a proper place to sleep, meals, and maybe most significantly, the support that wraps around an individual during the time that they stay in shelter to ensure that there is ongoing progress towards their next step. So, I mean, we are housing focused and progress oriented as a shelter, um, but it is still a core priority for us that 
uh, that were client focused, right? That the client gets to choose. So what they want for housing, where they want to settle, if their next step is more of a residential treatment or is a move out of the region, those are also viable options. So we're not looking to force our best case scenario of what housing might look like for someone on that person. Um, But the wraparound support that we can provide during a time where someone is consistently in one location, like during a shelter stay, is a significant part of the support that goes to um, enable someone to move from their state of absolute homelessness into their next step. Yeah, you used two terms there, housing focused and progress oriented. Do they mean the same thing or can you differentiate between the two? Yeah, they don't mean the same thing. Um, housing focused is one of the terms that would fit into this um, this collection of, of terms fitting under the umbrella of what best practices look like. And those best practices would be uh, determined by um, more systemic shifts, whether that's um, across Canada or across North America. These are best practices related to homelessness services. Progress-oriented is a bit more of an in-house term that we've used to define some shifts that we've looked to embrace over the last year that essentially um, requires ongoing progress as personalized as it needs to be for the individual, depending on where that person is at, um, as an ongoing requirement to a stay here. So instead of having someone come in and say, you know, you can stay for 60 days because that's the average that it takes for someone to move into a successful housing next step. What we're saying is you're going to have a ton of support while you're here. We're going to wrap around you. We're going to meet with you as, as frequently as you need in order to take those next steps. And your stay is going to be reviewed weekly or biweekly. And your ongoing stay will be extended based on the progress that you make. That doesn't mean that someone arbitrarily needs to move into housing 10 days after they move in. That's not what we're saying at all. Uh, Progress is individualized to the client. So it might look for someone like they get document ready and they are able to um, move forward in getting their finances sorted or their um, identification sorted or application for Niagara Regional Housing. These are all examples and those look different for different people. Okay. I think I've got the terms. I hope people listening have the have the terms and are tracking because in addition to the, those shifts in approach or those shifts in philosophy on how best to come alongside and serve those experiencing homelessness, uh, we've also seen some changes in how we've done that, and particularly in regards to, to how our emergency hostel has worked in the last few years, partly stimulated by the pandemic, but not exclusively stimulated by the pandemic. So the the first of those was just the shift in the scale of our homelessness services. Talk about that for a little bit. So the scale of homelessness services uh, really went hand in hand with a shift from being the Southridge shelter to being homelessness services at Southridge. Those kind of go hand in hand. So we all know that in March of 2020, COVID hit and changed the world as we know it. What most people don't know is the timing of that. So April 1st, 2020 was actually the start of a couple of different contracts where we entered into a couple of key partnerships uh, with different agencies through a funding process with the region to complete a massive expansion of the services that we provide. So that included um, an expanded diversion program, expanded Housing First, uh, some entry into Home for Good programming, It also uh, included the launch of our NASO services, which stands for Niagara Assertive Street Outreach, 
Um, our staffing team went from approximately 25 up to 40. And all of that was captured right in those last couple of weeks after COVID hit. That was the, the launch of the increased uh, scale in capacity for our homelessness services. And then the pandemic hit. So we, we weeks before the pandemic began, uh, we were approved to expand all this capacity. And so we were making those shifts right at the beginning of uh, or the spring of 2020. And then the pandemic hit. So talk about how the pandemic also affected the nature of what we do, not just the scale of what we do. Yeah, I would say the so the pandemic um it had, it had significant impact on our operations, not only scale, but also um, kind of the approach to what we do that was language written into our contracts. So was, um, was likely going to be rolled out in the months or the year following. And what COVID did was really um, expediated a bunch of changes that would have likely been rolled out quite differently. So a lot of that has to do with, you know, we used the language earlier in this conversation, even around what fits into that umbrella of best practice. Um, fitting into that umbrella of best practice related to homelessness services includes things like a housing-focused approach, uh, a client-centered approach, but most notably and most uh, significant shift for our shelter is that it includes this language of low barrier shelter. Uh, a lot of that has meant that um, essentially the shelters are working to support people towards housing without having a whole bunch of rules, uh, making a shelter stay um, less likely or less um, successful for someone. So we want to make sure that someone's shelter stay moves them towards housing without the interruptions based on rule violations or based on the condition of sobriety. So low barrier sheltering really makes shelter stay as possible as possible, <laughs> if that, that makes a little bit um, of a strange language, but it makes it as possible as possible for someone to move towards housing without having the interruptions of suspensions and those kind of things. It changes both the admission criteria for someone and the ongoing accountability on some of the minor behavior things. Yeah, with the with the idea of because sheltering now is only a piece or a step in the conveyor belt, we want to serve people where they're at. And because we're trying to get them housed as quickly and effectively as, as possible, it's a housing-focused approach we want to minimize the barriers to getting people housed. That's really the 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 the, the spirit behind the low barrier uh, philosophy, I guess. Now that we've been into this a few years, what have you noticed as a result of particularly our hostel becoming low barrier in nature? Mm -hmm. I mean, I would say it's it's probably a little bit challenging to. Um, to determine what is specific to the shifts around low barrier because lots changed around the same time. COVID hit uh, at the same time we would have seen a massive, um, the epidemic of loneliness for people because they were so isolated for so long. At the same time, we were seeing a really significant uh, increase in how our people are experiencing the opioid crisis. Um, we've lost countless number of people um, to 
poison to drug supply and all of those things kind of happened at the same time. So it's a little bit challenging to know what is specifically an impact of becoming low barrier. I will say, though, um, that we have served a lot more people. Um, if you look at some of the statistics that are true for people experiencing homelessness across our region, early point in time count numbers would represent that in 2021, we had about 650 people who were experiencing homelessness on a random night in March. Uh, we now do that stat every month through our Built for Zero uh, reporting, and that number is a lot closer to 1,200 these days. So there are a lot more people in our region who are experiencing homelessness and who are experiencing homelessness for a longer period of time. So we, we have served more people. Arguably, the work has been more challenging um, because we no longer are using um, some of the tools that we have used in the past, which would include a short-term suspension from a stay uh, to change or respond to um, some behavioral concerns. Our staff are in the trenches of doing a lot more of that work, and it's arguably harder. I'd also say there's been a, there's been a toll that's um, that's been on our culture and it's been on our physical space and it's been on um, our staff and it's been on our neighbors. Well, that segues us into some recent conversation because uh, if anyone around Southridge has noticed, uh, there's been a bit of media attention lately. We've got a couple recent newspaper articles, one with Annie's smiling face as part of it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that that uh, has certainly become a conversation about the merits of a larger low barrier uh, emergency shelter, particularly uh, in the context of our Glen Ridge neighborhood. So I wonder, can you give the, the backstory behind that? Sure. I, I think it's important to say right from the get-go, because I think this has been known and experienced by our church community. We have had a value and a desire to be good neighbors throughout the duration of the time that we've been open. We've made it a value to, um, to be team players, whether that's with our various uh, politicians, it's been with various business owners who are close to us. Uh, that has been something that we've that we've cared a lot about. The backstory of the articles, I would say uh, there have been concerns about how our neighbors have experienced the changes um, to our shelter, most notably that we no longer would be considered a dry shelter. And no one can see this, but I was using air quotes in that because that's maybe even a little bit of a colloquial term. Um, dry shelter essentially meaning that we require abstinence from alcohol and substances during someone's stay, and we no longer do that. So there are, I would say there's some overflow of that change in the shelter that our neighbors have experienced. Um, we actually would have caught wind that there was maybe some concerns coming from the neighbors, and so we had set up a uh, a meeting that included our ward councillors and our new mayor. Um, and that first article actually came out just, I think, four days prior to that meeting um, actually happening. So it was already set up in the works. And that article came out really just expressing the neighbors' concerns around um, what they would say is the impact of changes at the shelter, including things like an increase in garbage and physical space, as an example. That's some of the background of it. Yeah, so reading those articles, knowing that one of them came out just before we met with our, our municipal uh, government representatives, and then one shortly after, almost as a result of that conversation, how have you kind of 
felt about all that? And, and more importantly, what have we been doing to respond to the fact that we're operating this low barrier hostel in the context of homelessness services in the broader context of a neighborhood? How, mm-hmm. how, how have you been responding to that? Yeah, um, I would say answering pretty transparently, um, directly following the articles, it was a bit disheartening. Um, I think in part because we know that the need is so great, but we also have the privilege of being able to know the people and not just feel the impact of what is so often just referred to as an issue. And so it's a bit disheartening to feel like we're in this work for such a long time um, and that our community broader to just Southridge is still just really harsh on the people and they're people that we know and love. So kind of transparently, I would have felt a bit disheartened by that. I've processed through that with you. Um, I think probably beyond that, I would say there was some frustration amongst our team um, just in feeling like there was a bit of a misrepresentation that we are oblivious to impact that we're having on the neighborhood or that we are absent from the conversations because we really, as I mentioned before, we have a value of trying to be good neighbors and be good teammates um, to the others who are in this work and uh, who are some of the decision makers around the work, which probably is the other thing. Um, I think we have felt a little bit like we are uh, implementing and trying to implement the changes that have uh, been decided outside of us. And we've been trying to do that with excellence, but we haven't necessarily had the full autonomy to decide um, if these are changes that we would choose to make separately. So we're enacting changes that have been um, kind of decided for us and that aligns us with best practice and it does those things it moves some of those things forward but some of um some of what we feel on the other end is maybe even some frustration or some disagreement with those changes from other people we almost feel a little bit like the arguments are meant to be had by the people who are not us and so that different different levels of government uh unhappy with how different levels of government are implementing a regional approach to homelessness services Absolutely. So it feels a little bit like we're we're actively involved in it, but some of these things are outside of our control. Yeah. So the other article that came out recently was uh, basically a funding announcement that the province has designated additional funding to the Niagara region for homelessness services. And can you just talk a little bit about what that might mean or could mean or what's the conversation in relation to that so the province and really i I would like to note i mean the this funding announcement essentially doubles the funding uh that goes specific to addressing the needs um, experienced by people experiencing homelessness uh, in niagara and it is kind of the result of 10-ish years of rallying um for uh, an appropriate allotment of funds coming from the province. So that certainly was celebrated as a win amongst um, the agency emails that I have been on. Um, and so we, we feel net positive about that as an announcement. I think at the highest level, it means an expansion of services um, that is overdue given the expansion of need over the last two years, I'll say. Um, We don't know exactly all of the things that that means quite yet, because there is a plan for that funding that's due out 
I mean, at some point, May, maybe into June, considering June is tomorrow. Um, and so we're not exactly sure what the detailed plan is on how that will be spent. But we do know that the region has engaged uh, an expert in homelessness, uh, someone named Ian DeYoung, who has been to Niagara to share in various platforms before and maybe is, is known by some uh, to do a needs assessment specific to shelter beds. Uh, and so it looks as though that is going to come back with a recommendation to increase in the provision of shelter beds across the region. And so there has been some conversation about uh, what agencies would take that on, what that might look like. Um, and some of those things maybe are yet to be determined yet, but that's kind of where we come into the conversation. Yeah. So in, in our homelessness services and our current configuration of the emergency hostel that we're operating as low barrier in this residential neighborhood, what does all that mean for us? Yeah. So we have had a couple of maybe offline conversations to try to figure out, you know, if a potential uh, RFP, which just stands for request for proposal for a new shelter might open up opportunities for us to shift to some of our current operations on site and to maybe take something on off site. Um, I don't know if I'm being too vague about that. I so many of these things are still up in the air, but to bring our church community into some of the thinking about it, we have wondered about whether or not the low barrier, uh, large shelter that we operate out of our Glenridge location could be relocated. And if as a complement of service, we could uh, potentially offer a sober shelter complement to a low barrier shelter on site. So potentially running two separate uh, kind of operations that complement one another. Um, that's some of the early thinking about how it might have some really tangible, practical shifts to our operations. So other than the potential of being involved in two shelters, a, 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 you know, a, a low barrier, maybe larger one somewhere else and a, a smaller, uh, sober expansion uh, in our current facilities, are there any other sort of options, or I, I guess I, I'm curious to know, what what do you feel like is our option A, or what are, is there an option A? What's our current thinking? Where's this going? Yeah. I think the option A maybe depends on who you're asking, and some of that is, I mean, our option A might be different than some of the decision makers, and we are actively in conversations with both the city politicians and the regional politicians and leaders in the department to try to figure out where Southridge could orient ourselves to be of the greatest support to our community. I would say personally, um, and in some of the early conversations that we've had as a leadership team and as a management team in homelessness services, the option of being able to, um, to offer a sober shelter complement to low barrier um, sheltering feels like a, an option that meets a lot of need. I think to take it maybe one step further and probably actually where many of these conversations have actually started um, is getting back to our truest north as a ministry. So I think it's important for our church and for our staff to all be on the same page. We didn't get into this specifically to shelter. We got into the anchor cause of homelessness because our anchor cause is meeting the need that exists in our community to see an end to people's homelessness and that our philosophy 
is that one of the core components to someone's experience of homelessness is actually a lack of healthy and vibrant community. It's a lack of having a real friend who's not paid to be your friend. And so if we start at the beginning, that's why we got into this. And what we actually have the expertise to do is to engage in relationship, long-term relationship, reciprocal friendships with people. We would feel like that ultimately is where we um, have the truest experience of who God is, the truest uh, understanding of how our faith can deepen and grow. And so if we're thinking about all of the potential for what might be to come in the next season, I would want to make sure that we're starting with why we ever got into this um, and feel like that needs to inform any decisions that we make going forward. Yeah, it's interesting with community barbecues firing up now that it's warmer with the launch recently of Norm's Place, which is uh, uh, essentially a a reclamation of a drop-in kind of common room area for both residents and former residents. Uh, we've really been growing in our capacity to reclaim what we call the friendship that makes a difference. And uh, that's been certainly an important true north for us to reclaim uh, in these in these conversations. Um, can you give us any sense of where this is headed as far as being updated or decision timing or even people from our St. Catharines location who've been involved in the shelter and in homelessness services being able to provide input or what's happening in the next few weeks? Yep. So we are, we're expecting um, the RFP to come out. We're kind of literally waiting, opening emails all the time, looking for that. So we're, we feel like that is pretty imminent Um, because of that timeline um, and our desire to hear from and update our church um, as proactively as possible and to hear those pieces of feedback and the different opinions and answer those questions. We are going to host a town hall um, that will be at our St. Catharines location, um, and that is looking to be June 14th. So there will be more information and uh, actual invitation coming out for that. That will be an opportunity to engage further in the conversation around this. Also, in uh, the process of setting up a conversation uh, with some volunteers who have been in the ministry for the decade or more and uh, looking to engage in some of those conversations as well. In addition to that, really, I feel like this is the primary thing that I talk about in and out on every day of work these days. And so I would say, I mean, if you're listening to this and you're either not able to make it on the 14th or you don't already have something set up with me, but you want to add your voice and get a bit more of the inside scoop and have some conversation about this, if you feel strongly like there is there is something that needs to be considered in the making of this decision, I would invite you to reach out to me because I'd be really happy to engage more into this conversation with you. Um, Those are probably, in terms of the official next steps, a couple of meetings and that town hall are coming up. That's great. And I guess just as we wrap up, you know, when you think about our community, even people outside of our St. Catharines location, never mind leaders that that listen and and track with us in, in this conversation regularly, I guess what 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 would be the one thing that you'd want all of us to know in seeking to be a community, a church community that's incarnating Jesus in this way that is centered on those experiencing homelessness in this case and trying to be for the kind of people Jesus was most for? What would I want people to know? I would say I want people to know that 
despite the changes to our operations and to our scale, despite the changes to the need across our society, um, I think it's important for people to know that our determination to live out the vision that we believe God called us to a long time ago is as uh, central to the decision-making process as ever. And I think it's important for people to know that uh, even though the acuity of our friends, the challenges that they face seem to be more intense now than they have been maybe ever, um, that the capacity to engage in the friendship that makes the difference, the reciprocal friendship that will change your life and will change theirs, is that the harvest is as plentiful as ever. And I want people to know that. I, I certainly would not want people to feel like things are way harder and there's less of a focus on friendship or things are way harder and people are not looking to engage as much. That's not true. We're seeing pockets of this vibrant community spring up and be as, um, yeah, as beautiful as it ever was. And so there are still lots of opportunities to engage and to engage in a way that uh, if you're open to it, will will change you and it will change you in beautiful ways. Fantastic, Annie. Thanks for being here and providing that update. Uh, I'm sure it's been helpful uh, for those of us, especially from our Southridge location, but also uh, leaders elsewhere that are wondering how they could get into this kind of work and, and become more mission themselves. So really appreciate you being here. That's great. Thanks for having me. And to all of you who are continuing to track with us, we'll see you in about seven days time as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody.